Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Jack, good morning. Good morning. Lovely to speak with you again on the opinion line. Uh, what we know is is what I've just been going through there. Do you think this is the, the right decisions are about to be made? Well, the right decision is to open up the country. The right decision is to open up the economy, open up the, the public sector. Absolutely. But it has to be open it up safely. And it's not necessarily just contingent upon vaccinations. We've all of a sudden kind of jumped to focusing on vaccines, vaccines, vaccines work, but they're not 100%. So we need to continue all the other precautions, you know, safely. We need to educate the public on what safe, you know, COVID, you know, COVID behavior is. Mm. Vaccines, like you said, they're not 100%, but we know that they do work and we know they have great mitigation strength against the, the worst of effects of, 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 the, of the campaign. One of the things, for example, is that indoor events like theatres and music would open for fully vaccinated audience only in the initial stages. Right. And, and I think that's probably reasonable because cause, cause the cases we're seeing in the hospital now mostly um, of people coming into the hospital, they're mostly people who are unvaccinated or people who are immunocompromised who didn't respond to the vaccine. So, yeah, so it does make sense that th- those are those are the population who are transmitting it. But still, but also 50 percent of all the new cases in the last two weeks are uh, under 25. So 50 yeah. percent of cases. So it's younger people are transmitting the virus and even 15% under 12. So the virus is, is very transmissible. So, so we can't throw away the face masks, the hand washing, the so, you know, some kind of distancing when it's possible. Um, I just think the message is, is that we don't go back to normal. We go back to kind of getting on with life in, mm-hmm. in a safe way. Yeah. Like, for example, we hear from the Ministry of Transport that public transport will be back to 100% capacity within a week or two. Do you think that the mandatory masks on, on the bus should be kept in place? Absolutely. Has to be. Has to be. You know, I mean, every time you take off masks, you know, I mean, every I, I check very carefully. You know, we wear masks meticulously in the hospital, um, you know, on an ongoing basis, even though I'm vaccinated, I, I don't like it. I wear a mask eight, 12 hours a day oh when I'm in the hospital because it's, it's a safe thing to do. Yeah. When I'm in my office, all my staff does the same thing. Um, and, and when that hasn't happened, I've seen outbreaks. When people let down their guard, there's, out, there's outbreaks of COVID. So masks help. They're part of the solution. So if I was in a bus or a train or an airplane, I wouldn't go on it without, without a mask. And I'd be shocked if, if they would allow everybody to walk around without a mask i think that's irresponsible to for the government to allow that to happen and it's irresponsible for people to do that put others in the bus at risk not too sure if you heard the comments of professor luke o'neill over the weekend jack but he said that primary school children should wear masks would you agree with him well i think i think that 
I, I just told you, 50% of all new cases in the last two weeks, 25,000 cases, uh, 50% of that were less than 25, yeah. and uh, 15% were less than 12. So they're, they're spreading the virus. So I think you can take a chance and just go back to schools and do nothing, and you will see outbreaks. The government says kids don't transmit COVID. Well, if they don't trans co transmit COVID, how come 15% of 25,000 cases are in 12 and unders? They're catching it somewhere. They're either yeah. catching it, they'll catch it in schools, or they'll spread it in schools. Yeah, Actually, we, we've had this argument back and forth uh, for the last 18 months as to exactly where we stood with children. First of all, we thought there were vectors, and then we thought there weren't. Mm. And then we thought, they, I mean, this is what you do, Jack. You're an infectious diseases consultant. Your average mm -hmm. seven or eight-year-old child picking up COVID, they themselves probably won't get sick at all. But how infectious are they? Well, the, well the, they're probably less infectious than grown-ups, okay? That continues to be an issue. But in the first wave, you know, the adults were more infectious, kids were less infectious. Now we're in a third wave. The second wave of virus is 60% more infectious. The third wave of virus is 60% more infectious. So kids now are more infectious than adults were in the first wave. So they're less infectious, but they're still very infectious. You know, mm. this is the point, you know? Yeah, and... and Preventing them getting it because they're not vaccinated yet. We, we, we're, we're powerless to do that other than by the, the, the I suppose, careful, careful management of the situation. Careful management, you know, meticulous, you know, in the schools, there has to be kind of the ongoing behaviors, you know, the social distance, one positive, the ha possible, the hand washing, and then masks are an option as well. Now, you know, I'm just saying, I think if we don't do it, we'll just wait and see and see if there's outbreaks in the school. And I suspect there will be if we don't, in unvaccinated children, if we just kind of do nothing and, and, and let the experiment go on. And, and you're right. Maybe people say, well, maybe just let them get COVID. But if they get COVID, they're out of school. Uh, you know, the, 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 the whole school's closed down. Uh, family members are infected and vulnerable people at home. May, th these children may bring the virus back home as well. So there's a consequence to having a positive COVID test. And a few kids with COVID get this bad, you know, inflammatory disease that damages yes. the heart. It's very rare, but it's still 10 times increased than, than, than it was before COVID. And if that was your child, yes. that's significant. And then finally, long COVID. Mm. Teenagers, young adults are getting long COVID. So you say just, you know, if it, that's quite a significant condition to have for years and years afterwards. So I think vaccination and, you know, mitigation, masks, hand washing, social distancing will continue to be part of the solution moving forward. Do, do, do you think that we will have a children's vaccine in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. I think they'll start moving down. So it's, it's, it's approved for 12 and older and they're doing studies on under 12 you know we have you know kids get vaccinations at two four and six months and it's been life-saving you know yeah. for these children we don't see polio tb we, we're, we're always we're, we're kind of treating covid differently teenagers get hpv vaccines you know um to save them from getting cervical cancer and genital warts you know all of a sudden covid covid vaccines have been politicized we have to kind of put it into mainstream and let the public understand that this this is it's the same strategy for covid vaccines as all other vaccines that have been life-saving you know in in in, in our world over mm. the last 50 years you, you, the, the conspiracy conspiracy theorists get on your nerves jackets 
Well, it's just it's just like I said. I've I've seen you know I I've seen I've been in third world countries and seen devastation caused by measles epidemics. You know, I I knew Sabin, the guy who discovered the the va- and and saw. I knew these people who discovered the polio vaccine. We don't see polio anymore. Yeah. I used to see it when I was in training. You know, you don't see it anymore. Thank God. Um, and I'd like to see COVID end in the next few years. Yeah. And vaccines are a critical part of the solution. Briefly come back to uh, long COVID because the first time you and I spoke Jack Lambert was about Lyme disease in which you're, it's an area you've spent many years of your life working on Lyme disease long COVID is something that can be with us, could be with someone for, for a year maybe two years, are there any similarities can we get rid of long COVID the symptoms of long COVID or did your body just have to recover by itself well, that, that's, the, that's the issue. We don't know. We don't really have a good plan in Ireland for long COVID. And there's a lot of similarities. You get damage to your the, the virus or in, in the, in the COVID or the bacteria, which is Borrelia, the Lyme bacteria, circulates. And then your immune system starts attacking. And people have long-standing, you know, inflammatory conditions in the brain, inflammatory conditions in the joints, the nerves, the heart. This is, you know, this is exactly the, I think there's a lot of similarities. I have patients now and I have a long COVID clinic at the Mater and I've got patients who are 18 months down the way and I'm seeing them, but I've got no resources. There doesn't seem to be a plan uh, for long COVID. I think we need to have a, a long-term plan for taking care of our healthcare workers mm-hmm. who get infected 18 months ago and people in the community who get infected. So yes, it's a, it's a significant condition. And do you see a difference between long COVID, as we describe it, and what we know as post-viral syndrome? Do you see a difference? Well, yes, it's probably more severe because, you know, because people get chronic fatigue syndrome, post-viral syndrome from Epstein-Barr virus, and they're just fatigued um, with COVID is causing so much more serious inflammatory conditions. So, yes, I think it is a a much more significant, you know, post, you know, post-viral condition. There's lots of viruses. COVID is a new virus that I don't think we've ever seen before. And I don't know how long these long COVID patients are going to continue to be sick. And at the current time, there is no plan, there is no treatment, but we need to have a joined up plan mm. because these people are going from one specialist to another or they can't go anywhere because there is no center that will kind of support them. Um, and the GPs, I think it's it's challenging for specialists. I think it's uh, it's difficult for GPs to be able to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Lastly, and briefly, Jack Lambert, are we almost at the end of this, or just we do have do, do we have to just get on with it and know the rules and stick with them for the foreseeable? Yeah, we're not at the end of it. Um, I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen a year and a half ago. I would have said maybe COVID would just die out because it's an animal virus and it doesn't like humans. But this virus seems to be adapted to humans and it's getting stronger in humans rather than weaker. So I think this is going to go on for years and years. So I think we just need to get on with it, except the fact that we have to use masks, except the fact we need to get vaccination. But don't use lockdown and delayed reopening as a solution. I think we need to get really clear messages from the government or to the government that that's not an acceptable strategy. And we need to tell the public that they need to take all, all of the appropriate precautions and be part of the solution themselves. All right, this is always a pleasure to speak with you, Professor Jack Lambert from the UCD School of Medicine, a consultant in infectious diseases. Thank you, Jack. Corks 96 FM. 
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. 